Unbroken Podcast. I'm Alexandra Amor, author and lifelong explorer of what it means to be human. This is the podcast where my guests and I explore the inside-out nature of life via the psychological paradigm called the Three Principles. We explore the positive effect this can have on every aspect of our lives, including resolving things like unwanted habits, anxiety, trauma, depression, and more. You'll find episode show notes, transcriptions, your complimentary video series, and lots more at unbrokenpodcast.com. If you're struggling to resolve an overeating habit, I invite you to go to freedomfromovereating.com where you'll find all the details about the online course I've created based on my 30 plus years of struggle and how I found the solution to my own overeating habit by exploring this inside out psychological paradigm. Use the coupon code podcast at checkout to save 20% on this unique and comprehensive course. And now here's the show. Mavis Karn, welcome to Unbroken. Thank you very much. Good to be here. It's lovely to see you. So why don't you tell us a little bit about your background and how you came to find the three principles? Okay. Um, Well, about, uh, this is horrible to say, but about 45 or 50 years ago, (laughs) I was working at a place called the Bridge for Runaway Youth in Minneapolis. I was a family counselor. And uh, one day my uh, boss said he had been invited to the graduate school at the University of Minnesota to hear three uh, PhD psychologists from Florida talk about what he said was something or other. (laughs) And he he couldn't go and did would I go in his place and then come back and tell him whatever it was. So I said, sure. Cause I got two days off work and I don't care what he wanted me to do. I would have done it. So, um, <laughs> so I had no, I didn't know what I was getting into, but sure enough, there were three PhD psychologists from Florida who had been spending some time with a man named Sid Banks and they wanted to talk about that. So I thought, oh, great. So I got to the part where they said something about all human experience originates with individual thought. And I thought the top of my head was going to come off. And I don't remember much else what they said for the next two days. Mm. I do remember that, and I, I really felt like I, um, I had. It, it's kind of like having brain freeze. Only there's one thought left, <laughs> right? And it was that, and I came home that day and I told my daughter, I had heard the best thing I'd ever heard in my life, and she lit up. And she said, what? And I said, well, it was about thought. And it was just great. 
And she looked at me like I'd been smoking something funny. So it was my first experience that I know of, actually, um, of having understood something completely without having a clue how to explain it to myself or anybody else. Mm. And to say that all the lights went on in the next year or so was just peaches and cream. No, it wasn't. I th- threw everything I could at it. I, I wasn't. I didn't. I wasn't in the habit of just taking everybody's word for something. So, I was going to prove either that it was right or it was wrong. Mm-hmm. But it was all about our thinking, and so I would say, well, okay, how about when you're a single mom and you have three kids and you rarely have enough money for anything? That's not just my thinking there. Except then I would say to myself, well, yeah, but does every single mom with three kids that hardly ever has any money feel exactly the same way about it all the time? And I, you know, just common sense will tell you that's not true. Okay, all right. So, well, how about when somebody dies? That's not my thinking. There. Got him. (laughs) Except, (laughs) does everybody always feel the same way all the time about a death? Again, you know, that just doesn't make any sense. So, I kept... I kept having this wrestling match with myself. But at the same time, I just started feeling a lot better. I started feeling more relaxed. Um, I started seeing people differently. I I, I started looking, um, I don't know, lovelier or um, more innocent. Or um, I just, I was just, um, it was kind of like I was cleaning the lenses of my glasses and I was seeing more clearly things. And there weren't any books then about this. Mm. There were just people talking about it. Right. Um so whenever there was an, a workshop on it, I, I went down to Florida a few times. And and then finally, um, I can't remember the first time I heard Sid Banks, whether he came, to, he came to Minnesota a lot, but also he talked other places. And I don't remember the first time. But to tell you the truth, um, it took me a long time to figure out what he was talking about. <laughs> it was... Um, I know he was really a nice guy and I enjoyed all the people that were there. And But to tell you the truth, I thought, well, one of these days, I guess I'm probably going to get it, but I don't understand. I don't understand what he's talking about. So, but I just kind of kept seeing more on my own. And, uh, I kept talking to the kids, particularly in the 
in the runaway shelter about what I knew. And they would always kind of go half asleep. And at first I thought I was just boring them. But then I, I realized that when I was kind of listening to what I was talking about, it was very simple and probably calming and true because I did I did talk to them about how there's nothing wrong with mm-hmm. I just think there is. And my simple version of, of everything. So I gradually started thinking Sid probably was talking about something important too. <laughs> he got he it got clearer to me that what he was saying. And and I but I thought he was just learning to be clearer. Mm. But it turns out I was listening better. <laughs> but, um and it just I don't know, I just thought less and felt better. Things weren't as complicated as I used to think they were. Um And here I am. <laughs> I'm 83 years old, and I'm still kind of in my own way, passing on the best information I got in my life mm-hmm. to anybody that's interested. And um, I kept, I keep seeing it more and more and more simple, mm. more and more simple. That it's, um, it's not rocket science. Mm-hmm. It's just divine engineering. We are just, whoever invented us knew what they were doing. (laughs) Right. And did you, with the kids that you were working with at that time, as you were learning, did you observe any shifts or changes in them? Oh, it was amazing. Mm. It was just amazing. Um, and and at the time, I kind of developed this belief, which turned out not to be true, but that it was a lot easier to teach to kids because they just didn't have such a death grips on their habits of thinking. And it probably had a lot to do with, I saw it so simply, and, and I at, at the time, I didn't think I was seeing it simply. I thought it was just the best I knew to do. And... And I knew that there was a whole lot better way to teach it, but I wasn't there yet. That's what how I saw it. Mm. It turned out that seeing it simply worked for kids. Mm. So, um, and it probably helped that I loved them. That I uh, just had such an affinity for kids. I, um, I don't, I don't know, but. They, they would all. They would always, when it was when I was in charge of the groups, they would always calm down pretty quickly. And it's it, and then it turned out to be they would calm down, just kind of knowing it was me, because mm. they got ready to calm down, right? <laughs> right. And it really wasn't. I was just. Uh, 
And uh, turns out any feeling you bring to something is um, kind of catching. Mm. So it just, it just, I was just beginning to see the, the power behind calm mm. and not in order to affect other people, but for me, the, the power behind about just calming down and, and trusting that what I need will show up instead of spending hours and hours and hours trying to figure everything out. Mm-hmm. So kids responded really well. Yeah. Yeah. And so that calmness that you began to see the value in, um, being a single mom, I imagine there was a lot of weight on your shoulders. Uh, and it, it was awesome. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess that began to lift as you began to see. About- yeah, not entirely. I mean, I could still get myself all wound up about something. I'm just not particularly interested in it anymore. <laughs> right. but, but I, you know, I, I, uh, I, I just relaxed more than I didn't. Mm. I just kept um, getting more so that the relaxation was the bigger part of the equation and the worry and the anxiety and the, am I ruining my kids? Or, you know, all of that stuff was um, less and less. And, um, but, you know, I'm not, I'm not any different than anybody else. I can still drive myself bananas with my own thinking. I just catch it quicker. And when it happens, I know it's just, it's, it's nothing. It's just temporary. It's just a, a break from sanity. <laughs> it's just, <laughs> I just don't, I don't care. You know, if I'm in a, in a bad mood and I'm thinking stupid things, um, I pretty much keep my mouth shut because I don't want to keep, and I want to clean up the mess I'd make if I didn't keep my mouth shut. So um, I just don't think it's a big deal. It's just temporary. I'll be, I'll be, I'll be smarter again in a minute. <laughs> right. Yeah. And so one of the things that we're going to talk about today is your book. And um, aha, you <laughs> wrote a letter. Now, was it to these kids? The the first le- oh, letter that you wrote? Oh, um the letter was to um kids in a in a project I did um with actually a couple of pro football players. They had started a little agency in the north side of Minneapolis where lots of uh, kids get in lots of trouble. And um we got the county to give us some money to go and teach what I teach to kids in a prison about an hour north or south of my house. Mm. For two years, I went down there every Sunday and taught 
three or four different classes. And it was a blast. It wasn't at first. When they first went there, um, you know, it's not like they were, the kids were going, oh, yay, Mavis is here. No, it wasn't like that. <laughs> they, um, they pretty much thought I was the wrong profession and the wrong gender. In some cases, the wrong, had the wrong pigment. And it was, it was, you know, but they got over it. And it, it was, it was just an honor to go and, uh, and just, It was just an honor to just be with them and watch what happens when kids wake up to who they are. Mm. They are magnificent. Mm. And they, the kids that were in the, in the class in the beginning kind of kept order as new kids came in and wanted to show everybody what's what. <laughs> and uh, I hadn't noticed that for a long time that, the the original kids were taking care of uh order mm-hmm. but i just like god this is great but it, it turned out that that they would from time to time take a, a new kid aside and say you know don't mess with g they called me og oh. old grandmother for a long the longest time i and it turns out it means original gangster. <laughs> and, but they they got uh I I guess they just they just um they found their kindness. Mm. You know, they found their they found their beauty in there. Um, they, wa- they wanted, they didn't want me to get hurt. Mm-hmm. And that was lovely. I didn't even know it was possible to get hurt. That's how, you know, now I think about it. It was not a particularly safe place to go, but no. I'm not a street mark, street smart person i'm not i don't pretend to be i just uh know some things that i was pretty sure if they gave me a chance they'd want to know it too mm-hmm. and i was right about that mm. yeah. um, i'm i'm not sure that i i'm not sure who taught who more mm. they taught me so much about what's possible for, for kids that in many cases came from home lives that would just curl your teeth mm-hmm. and uh, and, to, and to have them find find who they really are after years of just having some beliefs about their own limitations and um, so many of them had no expectation of living beyond 20. Mm. And that was, it was so startling to me to, 
to find that out. I mean, it's kind of, I knew it intellectually just from reading stuff, but to, to be with kids who didn't think it mattered too much what they did or didn't do because they were going to live much longer anyway. And that was their, that was their, it was logical. They had all lost so many friends and relatives to violence that it was logical to think, well, you know, probably not going to be around long. But to have to see them start to have aspirations that in most cases involved helping people. And we didn't have the we didn't have the kind of money or resources to follow up on these kids. So it was always informal. We'd see them here and we'd see them there and they would from time to time stop in my office and we'd go have lunch and stuff. But there were so many of them, I have no idea what happened, except every once in a while somebody'll tell me, Hey, you know who I saw? But I wish we would have had or maybe I maybe I wish we would have known how to how to incorporate some follow-up stuff in it. But we were just babies in this thing and we were operating on a shoestring and we, you know, did as much as we could with what we knew at the time. But I would have loved to have kept track of them. Mm-hmm. That's more of an answer than you actually asked, wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> it was great. I love hearing the background. And actually you answered one of my follow-up questions, which was going to be about whether you ran into them later, later on. So that's, that's interesting. Um, and the letter that you wrote to them that came about, was it because of a graduation? Well, yeah, it was, uh, it was the end of my part of that program. It was, mm. I contracted for two weeks. Well, the money ran out and I, and I, I kept going for a while anyway, but it, other people took other people in the agency took over and, so on my last day with them, uh, they were going to have a party for me. And uh, this is when, because we'd see when we'd see them when they got out too. It was part of the program. We, they, there was a group, or and sometimes individuals. So um, they were going to have a party, and they made this cake. I wish I would have taken a picture of it. <laughs> it looked like they had a fight over it. It was just oh. Anyway, I before I went, I I just I want to give them something, and I thought I should get them all socks. I won't, one of the Christmases I was with them at the prison, I bought them all socks because they were always running out of socks. I got a big garbage bag full of socks, and I thought socks, and I thought no, I don't want to give them socks, and I so I thought, okay, I'm going to write them a letter. So I just sat down and I let the writer or the letter write itself. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know how else to explain it. Mm-hmm. It, it, uh, it wasn't a, a personal intellect letter. It was just, I just let, I let the letter write itself. I made a bunch of copies, gave them all a copy. That was it. And um, a, some, somehow or other, that letter got into. Stillwater, which is the, the big boys' prison, 
and I got a call one day from somebody, one of the the inmates that was wanted to make a poster out of it. Mm. So I thought, well, that's a good idea. So he made a poster out of it, and I had a bunch printed, and I used to give it to kids when I see them, and lots of times adults. And it just it got wings, and it started floating around. <laughs> it turned up in places I didn't send it there. I don't know how it got there. So that's the letter. Great. And we will, I'll put a link in the show note because it's at your website, which is mavisKarn.net. And so if uh, listeners are interested, they can go and, and read the letter there, which is so beautiful. And then it's the first letter. I'm holding up Mavis's book here in her new book called It's That Simple. So let's talk about that a little bit. You touched, you've touched on it actually already a little. Why did you choose that title? It's That Simple. I didn't. Oh, <laughs> okay. <laughs> it's, uh, I don't know anything about writing a book. Mm-hmm. And Michael Michael Neal um, tried to get me to write a book for ever since I met him. He tried to get, and we've known each other a long time. We should write a book. Michael, I don't know how to write a book. You write books. You're great at writing books. I don't have that much to say. I can't write a book. And he was about ready to give up on me as far as the book goes. And he one day he said, well, how about if you just write some more letters? And I thought, oh, okay. Yeah, I know how to write letters. I'll write letters. And he said, it's that simple. <laughs> That's what we call the book. It's that simple. Yeah. Because I say that a lot, I guess. And uh, because things are simpler than we think they are. <laughs> so that's how that came about. Michael, the, the, the book would not have happened without Michael. Mm. And what was that experience like for you writing more letters? Was it? I just loved it. Oh, you did. Oh, I great. A, a little porch on the back of my house. And um, I have a backyard that backs up to a forest. And it's just a, it's just a, loveliest little place back there and I took my legal pad and my pen and I'd sit out there and I would write letters mm-hmm. and Michael would say how about we write a letter about this I'd say okay I'll write a letter about that and then I would think of a letter and sometime my project manager Azul would think of a letter and I would just write letters I had the best time it took two weeks wow I still don't know how to write a book uh well it's beautiful and uh yeah just lovely all different kinds of subjects that you talk about like our moods and uh self-esteem and all different kinds of stuff and i was in portland in march with michael he was doing a weekend with barbara patterson and i think it was there that it was mentioned you were going to record the audiobook as well. Yep, we did that. And how was that? It was fun. Yeah. I, I didn't know how to do that either. But 
He said, okay, either I'll come to Minneapolis or you can come to California. I'm coming to California. <laughs> so we, um, he set aside three days with this recording studio. I know nothing about recording things either. Mm-hmm. There's so much I know nothing about. But we did it in one morning. I oh. just read the book. Wow. I, well, that's it? Yeah. We have three days. He said, well, <laughs> I don't know how long it would take. So, But that was it. I just read the book. And apparently that's that's coming out pretty soon. Good. Okay. Yeah. Great. Um, one of the things, so I've taken a few classes with you and Kristen McNeil. And um, one of the she things, great. she's so great. Yeah. And they are such great classes. And um, I, yeah, I just enjoyed them so much every time. And one of the things that I really appreciated about sort of one of the messages that you kept returning to is how our feelings are always feedback about how we're thinking. And I tend to talk to people about food cravings specifically. And as I was going on my journey, trying to understand, you know, why I had those cravings and why I would overeat that message was so profound for me and made such a big difference in my life. Um, So I wondered if you could talk about that a little bit more about how our feelings, what our feelings are. Well, they're just astonishingly useful. (laughs) Every, every emotion, which is a sensation, a physical sensation, every emotion is on our side, Mm. all the way from, from hatred to, terror to love and kindness generosity they're all on our side because they are letting us know in this moment the quality of the experience we're creating with our thinking wow Mm -hmm. that is that is the love of the universe I mean that is you know, there are so many pieces of truth in the core of every religion. One of them in Christianity is Christ saying, Lo, I'm with you always, even unto the end of the earth. And when I when I think about how well we're made, I think emotions is the love of the universe with us, always, just guiding us away from misusing the gift of thought and back to coming from our natural inborn common sense and wisdom kindness and compassion and love it's like we don't have to figure out anything that those sensations are there to say oops you're a little off course here relax Come on back home. Be smarter any minute now. <laughs> I mean that that's as at least as use, useful as um, having a hot cut, touching a hot stove feels so bad you can't leave your hand there. Isn't that useful? Mm-hmm. It's it's like that's on our side. It's it's a uh, it's how we know 
whether to buy shoes or not. They can feel. I mean, they might look good, but if they feel bad, they it's not going to work. So there's a sensation that lets us know if these are the right size shoes. There's a sensation that lets us know whether to put a coat on or take it off. We are being guided all the time by sensation. And the sensation of emotion is guiding us in the use of this thing. Mm-hmm. Ooh, so helpful. Yeah, so so simple. It's so simple. And all of our, it's like I read a, um, a little essay not too long ago by a woman that was writing a book about the Buddha. And she said, the Buddha says, everyone is enlightened. And all of our struggles happen because we don't know that. Mm. It's that simple. Mm-hmm. All of our struggles are, are because we don't know. We are divinely created. And divine design is, is science. It's not uh, bubbles and petunias. It's science. Mm-hmm. It's like right now you and I are looking at a screen. Right. If we want to look that way, when we do, we we change the aperture in the lens of our eye, just with intention. Mm. Who invented that? <laughs> I mean, that's amazing. Yes, and that's just one tiny little piece of our engineering. We get so impressed with technology. But we have more apps than any phone Apple is going to invent ever. (laughs) Because the phone was invented by somebody that has more apps than the phone. <laughs> right. And do you find, you mentioned at the beginning that you've been, you know, exploring this understanding for quite a while. Do you find that your, what you see about these things deepens all the time? Yeah, but I I, I hesitate to use the word deepen because people associate just so much with compl- uh, complexity. Mm. In my in my world, it just gets more obvious mm. and simple mm. all the time. That's what I loved about the kids. Mm. There's a story in that book that I think that's in the book. I'm pretty sure this is in the book. One of the one of the times we were meeting with a with a group of them at, at, after they got out of prison, um, I don't know, there's I don't know, fifteen or twenty of them in my conference room, and uh, I was going to start the group, and 
you know, the kid next to me said, um, gee, can I talk? I said, yeah, sure. So he started around the room and he started uh, naming each kid and their gang affiliation, if they had one. Now, I knew their names, but their gang affiliation, I didn't care what gang they go didn't wasn't them part important to me. Mm-hmm. But he knew them all. Hmm. And he went around the room and they would they would nod and I thought, where is he going with this? And then he said, In the past, most of you have been my enemy, but now I have love for all of you. Wow. And I was like, wall and the kids started talking about what would happen if the whole world knew what they knew and they got rowdy about it there wouldn't be any war people wouldn't even think about it and all babies would be loved and they went on like this for the rest of the con. And they they thought of all the things that wouldn't happen because people wouldn't trust their thinking when they thought about doing those things. Mm-hmm. I I uh the other two the other two guys were with me that day and we were just we were looking at each other like, uh, I mean, we all thought it would work, but we didn't know it would work that well. Mm. Now, I know that these kids are still kids, and maybe some of them went and got in a little more trouble before they quit. Maybe some of them got a lot of trouble. I don't know. Um But I know that I will never forget that day, and I don't think they will either. Mm. Yeah, beautiful. Oh, that's so lovely. Um, I guess we're coming close to the end of our time together, so I just wanted to ask if there's anything... I know it goes fast, right? (laughs) Is there anything we haven't touched on that you'd like to share with our listeners? I have no idea. What do you think? (laughs) Well, I love, I've loved everything you've shared uh, thus far. And I, I really enjoy hearing about your work with the kids. Um, I don't know what it is, but it always gives me a good feeling. Me too. You Mm -hmm. know, I have a favor to ask people. Sure, go um, ahead. I'm I'm not any good at um, promoting my book. I am just somebody else has got to do that. I I just uh, but there is I do if people can if they can afford it. Um, I, I would like people to give one of the books to a kid that's oh. having a hard time. Oh, lovely. I would love people to do that. Yeah. Okay. Great. All right. And uh, yeah, so I'll put links in the show notes 
um, so people can find it. And yeah, that would be beautiful. That's a beautiful request. Thank you, Mavis. Oh, thank you. I, if I could afford it, I just, um, I told Michael one day, I said, if you run into anybody that's got a zillion dollars, could you, could we give them a really good deal and they could give a book to every kid on the planet? <laughs> so, yeah, I'll do that. So. <laughs> well, you never know. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah. So Mavis, where can our listeners find out more about you and your work? Uh, you mean besides the, the uh, what do you call it? That's just website. Website. Yeah, let's give that address again. What is it? It's oh. <laughs> it's maviscarn.net. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> I don't visit it much. <laughs> I know pretty much about who I am. Yeah, right. See? I'm just yeah. not, I get good at this stuff. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. That's why you're here. That's why I'm doing what I do. Yes, so. thank you very much. I need all the help I can get. <laughs> You're welcome. Well, um, this has been amazing. It's been so great to connect with you again. And I thank you for being with me here today. You are most welcome. Thanks for having me. All right. Take care. You too. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening. I hope you found the show helpful and uplifting. You'll find all the backlist episodes and show notes at unbrokenpodcast.com. To learn more about how to resolve an overeating habit in a way that's unlike anything else you've tried, go to freedomfromovereating.com. Use the coupon code PODCAST at checkout to save 20% on this unique and comprehensive course. See you next time!